Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 183rd ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Rebel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm great, Cam. Seems like we were just here. We did like a three-hour episode a couple days ago yeah. or something like that, and we're just we're right back here again. Um, last time we complained about the fact that it was cold when we returned to springfield from vacation all three of us and now it's warm winter's wow. over Squeaky, mm, i wouldn't be too stories. sure about that winter's over i don't know <laughs> uh, you're you're getting you're saying dangerous things over there i'm all in on winter being over well don't look at the forecast yep uh, uh <laughs> don't, who's gonna tell them <laughs> everything will be fine there's no freezing temperatures in the forecast just don't look outside or go outside and you won't know the difference it's nice out right now yeah we should be recording outside i thought so too you think uh mizzou would ever let us record at the 50 yard line like mid game no i was gonna say if it's mid game probably no Mm. (laughs) it's like a lovely thursday evening i'll email them okay let's figure it out see what we can do yeah we drive up there take all the equipment if we recorded on the in the middle of the freaking football field yeah we'd be driving up there yeah i'm just saying that'd be a pretty big hassle and headache potentially you how would we if even they get... said yes you would say never mind that's what you're telling me i'm just saying it would take some planning well yeah obviously okay <laughs> we'll work on it uh kyle last uh episode we really made the case uh for getting rid of Conzo Martin, mutually parting ways with Conzo Martin. And we made, we didn't make as big of a case for keeping him uh, because we both think it's time to move on. But if you, but this week we're talking about who might replace him if they do move on. Obviously we don't know anything more than anybody listening to this as far as what the, uh, athletic director's decision-making process will be in that we're just thinking it's time for a new face and uh if you want to hear why listen to the last episode we might touch on a few different things as we go but this is primarily focused on the coaches that are out there that uh might be uh you know interested in coming to columbia and guys that missouri can afford and we'll see where it goes from there there's been a lot of like top five lists and wish lists and hot boards and stuff all over Mizzou Twitter. So we're finally getting in the game and naming some coaches that we'd like to see in Columbia. Yeah. I mean, it almost seems like premature to like spend a whole, you know, hour plus or whatever we're going to spend talking about uh, potential names as a replacement when we aren't even 100% sure that Conto is going to be here or not. We could talk about all these names and then they retain him, which would be interesting but yeah. you know i think we feel fairly confident that there's going to be somebody else here next year and you know what it's time to start talking about names because once a decision's made it's going to go really fast and you're going to start hearing all kinds of names and rumors and so we we wanted to uh to prepare you for the names you're probably going to be hearing and who we think would be a good hire and maybe who isn't realistic or is realistic all that stuff so we're going to we're going to discuss a lot of names today. Before we jump into all of that, don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube or leave us a review on the podcast platform that you listen to us on. 
Uh, that helps a lot. We would appreciate it. And of course, if you want to support the podcast directly, you can do that uh, through our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Missouri Sports Pod. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about before we dive into all the names. Um, first of all, there's not really any like just like weekly news for us to talk about. This is basically a coaching search part one before the coach, while we still have a coach uh, episode. But speaking of the coach that we currently have, um, I thought it might be worth just like walking back through his career and just his how he has moved from job to job so far in his career and see if that might give us any clues as to what might happen this time. And obviously he, his first head coaching job was here in Springfield at Missouri state. And then he, after a successful season, um, they won the regular season, but then got upset in the conference tournament. So they didn't make the NCAA tournament, but then he Conzo replaced Bruce Pearl at Tennessee, which Tough shoes to fill. Absolutely. And the Tennessee fan base did, they were firmly on Bruce Pearl's side when he left and was, you know, penalized by the NCAA and had a, a show cause uh, sanction where any, he literally any school that hired him within a certain amount of time would have to face penalties and stuff. So, um, he was kind of going into a weird situation with sanctions and a coach that was like a fired up fan base for yeah. a different person. Right. Uh, yeah. A fan base that was in love with the previous coach right. and wanted him to still be there. Um, I found an article uh, talking about like from a Tennessee fans perspective of them bringing in Conzo. And this article that I found was optimistic and kind of like, well, the Tennessee program is in a weird spot with the sanctions. So, you know, we may not be able to get the guy that's on the top of everybody's list. So this guy's been successful. Let's see what he can do. And, um, he took them to a sweet 16. They had NBA players on that roster, but I think the entire time that he was there, the Tennessee fan base wanted Bruce Pearl. They were mad that he couldn't be the coach there anymore. And so, it seems to me, and a lot of the reports from around that time indicated that Conzo just did not really feel comfortable there. And um, when he had an opportunity to basically resign from his post there and take the head job at Cal, he just jumped on it because it seemed like a more secure spot for him, um, less headaches with the fan base and stuff. For sure. Not fired. Correct. Just yeah. chose, chose to leave. Yes. And then uh, went to Cal, was there for three seasons. Uh, I should mention three seasons at Missouri State, three seasons at Tennessee, three seasons at Cal. Uh, we talked a little bit last week about, you know, they had a really good team with Ivan Rabb and um, Jalen Brown, got upset in the NCAA tournament. And then um, same thing happened again. He was not fired at Cal. Uh, he left Cal to take the Mizzou head coaching job. And we can look back also in Missouri history at Frank Haith, who was not fired from Missouri, but left to take the head coaching job at Tulsa. And the reason I'm bringing all this up is I'm wondering, obviously we know the wording of Conzo leaving, if that happens a week from now, will be mutually parting ways. But 
I guess my question to you, Kyle, is I wonder how much of that will be something that Conzo actually sees is in his best interest moving forward. Well, I mean, it's interesting that you bring that up and just pointing out the fact that coaches are so often really well aware of the writing on the wall potentially and knowing what could happen in their future. And obviously Frank Haith is a great example of that. And I don't know, just having the awareness to know like this is probably my best opportunity to take a different job that is still a reasonably good job. And Conzo obviously did that multiple times in his career. Uh, I wonder if that is something that he's thinking about now. And obviously it's probably a little bit different situation. Uh, I don't, he obviously would not be able to like upgrade jobs right now, which is something he kind of did. I don't know. Would you say Cal is a step down from Tennessee? I would, I would say. agree. Yeah. So something that he's probably fairly uh, potentially okay with. Um, he's making great money right now. He's not hurting for cash. Uh, I wonder if he's he, going to make great money if he's no longer the coach right he's gonna yeah there's gonna be some financial implications of course but i wonder if Conzo would be willing to go to a step down somewhere to be able just to avoid everything that's going on right now and uh, maybe avoid getting fired or um i'm thinking about how i'm trying to put myself in his shoes and how miserable it potentially would be to coach all of next season right exactly with a fan base that is completely over done yeah and just how empty the arena has been like how do you repair that with the same coaching staff if he were retained in a same disappointing group of players right i mean that's, i mean that's kind of mean but yeah well I mean, the wins and losses right it's a roster he assembled yeah. but has to at this point be thinking there's a pretty low ceiling for these group of this group of guys yeah and uh not a lot of there's not a lot of roster turnover to be had. I mean, there's maybe three spots potentially that a um, a transfer could uh, come in and make an impact. With but. his contract situation, could he actually even realistically leave right now? Like, could he just take another job right now? I mean, I guess. I yeah, I mean, uh, the buyout situation on the other end is way more manageable. If a team, if another school wanted to scoop him up, uh, it's nothing like $6 million for them to make that happen. The financial burden is much more on Mizzou getting rid of him side than it is him terminating the contract to go somewhere else. But it would probably have to be a school that fired their coach pretty early in the process. Yeah, probably. For the timeline to make sense. Right. Um, yeah, so that is something to think about is... I, we didn't really touch on that much in the last episode, so I just wanted to bring up the, the reality of the situation that the fan base is kind of over Conzo, the arena is empty, and how much will that weigh on his mind when he's kind of deciding yeah. what's best for his future. Does he want to come back? Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That was a long way of asking that question. Um, so I don't know how you want to do this. There's so many names across college basketball that make – some kind of sense mm -hmm. as the next uh coach at mizzou um we both assembled a top five mine's very wishy-washy because there's like there's varying you know, levels of how realistic is this yeah and we'll talk through how realistic some of these people are and uh and how exciting they would be as a hire i right. guess 
so i don't know how do you how do you maybe we should uh i mean should we kind of categorize it by some up-and-comers and then maybe some some guys that have already been out there sure yeah so we have kind of like established coaches who've been around the block maybe they've coached power five um they've they've coached you know ncaa tournament teams stuff like that and then we have kind of more up-and-comers um actually all of the uh, mid-major coaches on my list are under age 50 Mm -hmm. and all of the guys that have been around a little bit are over age 50 that makes sense nobody too terribly old though yeah um that definitely went into my thinking no jim Beheim. no uh there's like uh i don't know there's a few coaches that have like been around forever that have been in and out of coaching sometimes i mean not even like to the level of rick patino who we might mention later but uh i can't even think of the guy's name uh john john beeline who coached at michigan and then coached the cleveland cavaliers that's literally who i meant to say oh, and okay. i said jim Beheim. <laughs> john beeline yeah, yes. yeah that's literally who i meant to say okay because yes. he's like not coaching right now right a name i've actually seen thrown out there yeah yeah but he he's old. i don't know he's pretty old yeah. yeah um and i think i don't know he seems like he might be done with college basketball and recruiting and all that kind of stuff but i guess you never know that could have been so much worse by me saying somebody else's name like that just happened to be an old college basketball coach that i said on accident they're just all the same i was really lucky yeah uh yeah it made a little bit of sense at least (laughs) um so do you want to talk about let's get the let's get the established names out of the way first that people have heard of yeah um one name that i want to talk about that is going to be on people's lists and it's definitely somebody you've heard of is chris mack and i want to mention him first because i don't think it's a good fit at mizzou but if they if there was some kind of connection there and they wanted to make a run at him i don't think it would be the end of the world he uh let me pull up his profile here was coaching Louisville earlier earlier this season. Yes, but he got fired like recently mid-season. fired from Louisville. Um, it was kind of made to seem like it was due to off the court stuff, but I think the off the court stuff was just a reason to get rid of him because he was not performing on the court. They're looking for a reason. Yeah. So uh, obviously, he previously coached at Xavier, um, took them to the NCAA tournament all but one year that he was the head coach there from 2010 to 2018. Uh, They went to an elite eight and three sweet 16s in his time there. And his last season there, they were a one seed uh, in the NCAA tournament. So obviously he was a perfect match for Louisville when that position came open. And his first season there, they were a seven seed, won 20 games. Second season, Ken Palm says they would have been a four seed in the NCAA tournament that was canceled. They won 24 games. Last year, uh, they only played 20 games total. They were 13 and 7, uh, 59th in Ken Palm. And then this year, they definitely took a tumble. Uh, he won 12 games before he was let go. They were 12 and 17. Still more than Missouri has won all season. True. And the Ken Palm rating was 139 which that's like Mizzou this year territory, obviously. Um, I think he's a really good coach. Um, the off the court stuff is like, you could make a documentary about it because it's very strange. His assistant coach blackmailed him 
basically, or was trying to blackmail him. Um, and his assistant coach is, uh, I forget his name off the top of my head, but he was like a former ESPN analyst who was also a coach. And he was assistant coach uh, under Chris Mack at Louisville and sort of tried to like blackmail him or extort him for some reason. It's the kind of guys you want in your program. Yeah. And then Chris Mack didn't tell anybody about it, that this was happening. So it was like a private matter between the two of them. And Mack recorded a phone call. And so that's actually what he got in trouble for from Louisville was like secretly recording this phone call and trying to deal with this whole blackmail situation without, yeah, without notifying anybody. Weird. At least that's the way I was able to understand it from reading a few articles. So that's not the end of the world. I have anecdotally read some things that he's like really hard to work with and just not a great guy. Yeah. So... I don't think it's a situation that Mizzou really wants to get into, but I don't think it's something that will keep him from coaching again. Yeah, I don't know if the I don't know if the reward is worth the risk in this situation. Yeah, and it does. I mean, it'd be different, I think, if he was just like posting twenty win seasons, twenty five win seasons. Yeah, if they were like you know twenty and two when he was let go, it'd be a little bit different. But that would also mean that he probably did something worse to be let go if he was that successful on the court. So Chris Mack, not going to be on my final list of candidates that I want to take seriously. He was also making $4 million a year at Louisville, which is a lot and more than Conzo's making right now. So financially, it also probably doesn't make sense, although he's not going to command that when he does get back to coaching. So I'm going to cross Chris Mack off the list. And um, while I'm at it, unless you have any objection, I'm going to cross Greg Marshall off the list. Yeah. That's a name that people are going to throw out there. Literally lost his job because of multiple accusations of abusive uh, actions towards players. I think some some racial slurs. Yeah. Yeah. No No thanks. Big no thanks on that. Yeah. And And his wife's crazy. That's, I've heard that as well. <laughs> Which is completely There's like been actual irrelevant. articles written about like How crazy the craziness is. of the family. Yeah. But uh, I don't know if he coaches again. He was making so much money that he doesn't, never has to coach again. Yeah. But Chris Mack, I think, coaches again. Right. I don't know about Greg Marshall. I don't think so. All right. You give me somebody that's uh, been around the block, kind of an established name, if you got one. All right. I got a guy for you. His name is Sean Miller. Uh, Sean Miller is currently not employed, uh, but he was with Xavier again from 2004 to 2009. So five years he was there. They went to four NCAA tournaments. They were the Atlantic 10 regular season champs three times. He went to one Elite Eight, one Sweet 16, then went on to coach at Arizona, which is probably where most of you guys remember him. Uh, being very sweaty at Arizona, <laughs> and he coached there from 2009 to 2011. Uh, I'm counting the year that COVID canceled the tournament as a year they made the tournament because they would have, but he went to eight NCAA tournaments in 12 years. You said 2011. You meant 2021. Yes, 2009 to 2021. Thank yeah. you. Is, uh, so he was at Arizona for a while. Went to eight tournaments in 12 years, uh, three Elite Eights, two Sweet 16s. Uh Obviously, he was let go from Arizona for 
I guess you would describe it as probably impermissible benefits for recruits, paying players essentially, which is something that's now pretty much illegal in college basketball. And one of his assistants was uh, investigated by the FBI for fraud. Um, That was a much more serious criminal situation that was not really related to Sean Miller exactly. Uh, but the NCAA gave him one of those, you know, you did not have institutional control or whatever, which right. understandable. I mean, based on the rules as they were at that time, uh, this assistant coach was like uh, guiding players towards a specific agent who was giving kickbacks to the assistant coach directly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it came out in the investigation around that assistant that allegedly Sean Miller was paying the family of DeAndre Ayton, $10,000 a month to come to school at Arizona. Well, he's really good. Yeah. <laughs> but now, yeah. just... Uh, Not legal it, literally one or two seasons ago, yeah. but now... Run that through a local Columbia, Missouri business, and we're yeah. good to go. Yeah, see, obviously something like that where the, this, the, the violations were him... You know, we're the benefit of the student, you know, yeah, that I'm com- I'm fine with that. Obviously, the assistant coach, not so much, but right. the stuff that was alleged by or towards right. Sean Miller. In my opinion, there are coaches that are currently coaching that have committed far worse violations than Sean Miller did, at, at least on the exact same thing, yeah, every year that they've been a coach, correct? <laughs> uh, is Sean Miller, uh, Sean Miller, I mean, he's obviously like. Uh, one of the top names out there uh he's going to be a hot commodity assuming he wants to get back into coaching he's only been out this season right um i mean is that realistic for missouri um i think he was only making like two million a year at arizona that's Um, crazy yeah so he was uh and not that long ago he was probably underpaid and probably due for a fat extension yeah, I'm if sure all that stuff hadn't come up. There was several seasons where Sean Miller was at Arizona, Conta Martin was at Missouri, and Sean Miller was making less money. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think if we're talking about Sean Miller and the likelihood of him coming to Mizzou, I think that's when we should talk about teams or schools that Missouri might be competing against right? for the services of somebody like Sean Miller. Yeah. So let's pause on our coaching list because that's a big deal to think about as far as determining whether we have a shot at this guy. So like the biggest the biggest program that will be hiring a coach is Louisville as far as we know right so now. far. Yeah. And even anybody that's like on the hot seat or anything, I still feel like Louisville is the biggest, most yeah. storied program that's going to be hiring a coach. Agree. Um, there's no reason that they would not – look at Sean Miller unless they're just so scared of any sort of violations in any coach's history because obviously the Rick Pitino situation and now Chris Mack they might be just looking for like the squeakiest clean Conzo Martin coach imaginable Kim Anderson Kim Anderson ran, ran a clean program so did Conzo Martin uh, so does he currently? Well, so with that logic, is, is Missouri looking for somebody that's you know a little rough around the edges? Maybe Missouri's <laughs> more willing to go out on a limb against somebody that's been in trouble before because they're like you know this squeaky clean overcorrect thing is not working so <laughs> yeah. much. Uh, I don't think Sean Miller would be too much of an overcorrection though. No, probably not. Um, Comparatively to what we currently have, right. maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's a big difference. So. Um, 
so Louisville could definitely make a run at Sean Miller, but sure. it's I still think uh, they might want to shy away from anybody that's had uh, impermissible benefits and stuff like that in their past. That's a good point. And I also think that uh, current Seton Hall coach Kevin Willard, um, that is actually my prediction to take over uh, at Louisville. He has worked under worked under Rick Pitino in the past, um, both with the Boston Celtics and at Louisville. And he also uh, coached Iona. Um, and his father, Ralph Willard, was the associate head coach at Louisville um, at, at one point. So I think I was I was actually looking at Kevin Willard as maybe like a Mizzou guy uh, from Seton Hall, but uh, I really think if he wants to move, go it, right ahead. Take it would be Louisville for job. the Louisville job. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be fine uh, if Louisville went with Kevin Willard. Yeah, another school that's currently without a coach is Maryland, which is probably also a better job than Missouri. Yeah. Um, but probably below Louisville in my mind. Yes, yes, I agree. So Maryland is going to have plenty of candidates that want that job. Um, I even saw on like a Maryland fan site, uh, Kim English mentioned as maybe a candidate to replace uh, Mark Turgeon. So He's from Baltimore. Yeah. And uh, George Mason beat Maryland this year. Yes, they did. So Louisville, Maryland... Maryland, not super huge competition. Like nationally, yeah, that'd be competition for Mizzou. And again, if we're not talking about though. if we're talking about Sean Miller, then he's gonna want to be considered for the highest openings possible. Yeah. Um, unless Missouri has some kind of some way to sweeten the deal that we don't know about, which is unlikely. Um, anybody else that would be competing for the services of Sean Miller in your mind? Um, you want me just to. I mean, I, I wrote down several schools yeah, let's go that the coaches it. are probably on the hot seat in danger of losing their jobs. Obviously, none of these jobs are open right now. But uh, obviously, Tom Crean is going to be out of Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Capel is on the hot seat at Pittsburgh. Okay. Um, Bobby Hurley is probably on his way out of Arizona State. Kevin Keats is maybe. It's warming for, up. For NC State. Okay. I bet he's got one more year. This is probably the most regional threat is uh, Bruce Weber at Kansas State. But they've actually been okay this year. They yeah. are better than they were last year. They yeah. made an improvement. Uh, Patrick Ewing at Georgetown mm-hmm. could be an interesting one. Um, Laval Jordan at Butler. Okay. Butler's been pretty bad in the last few years yeah. in their standards. Especially for their standards, yeah. Uh, I wrote down Frank Martin at South Carolina, but honestly, I don't I don't know. Like They've actually been decent this year. Yeah, I think he'll be fine. Uh, Mike White at Florida. I think Florida would be immediately one of the best jobs on the market if uh, they were to if if they were to fire Mike White. Oh, please make the NCAA tournament, Florida. Please. Yes. And then uh, Kermit Davis at Ole Miss. Mm, that'd be something. Which uh, Mike White has a connection to Ole Miss. So if he were to not be at Florida, and Ole Miss fired their coach, they might do a little a little yeah. swaparoo or something. Yeah, yeah. Not a. I guess they wouldn't do a swap. Kermit Davis goes to Florida. (laughs) I don't think that would work. (laughs) Um, So there's several programs that, you know, that are uh, honestly almost everybody I list, I listed there. I feel like they're somewhat synonymous with Missouri as far as prestige and what they can pay. Uh, Butler is probably, well, here, I'll just go down the list. Okay. 
what wh- okay i'm gonna just go down the list again and yeah. tell me if you think it's a better job than missouri or worse than missouri okay okay georgia worse pittsburgh worse maryland better arizona state better i don't know even 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 e- even, even. <laughs> Uh yeah, Pittsburgh. I don't know. I would say Arizona State. I think Missouri might be a little bit better job than that. Okay. I don't know. That's possible. Uh, NC State. Better. That's tough because it's in the ACC. It's like a bottom feeder ACC team. Yeah, but they've got the. But they. The state of North Carolina. Yeah. Is wild. Yeah. Uh, Kansas State. Kansas State worse than Missouri. I would agree. Yeah. Slight step down probably. Yeah. Uh, Georgetown. Better. I agree. Butler. Jeez. Equal. I'd say Butler's probably a little bit better. Uh, South Carolina. Worse. Obviously, Florida is a better job. Better. Um, Ole Miss. Worse. Okay. So, Missouri's kind of right there in the middle of all those. Like, yeah. And honestly, depending on what they're willing to pay, could go up a couple notches could come down a couple yeah i would say um judging by how aggressive they went after conzo martin uh if they do that again then that jumps them up higher on that list right Uh, yeah i wonder if uh that almost makes the job look more attractive looking at how much conzo's making right now like obviously it's not the same administration that they're probably not gonna do quite such an insane contract well that sounds good buyouts and stuff yeah but Again, sometimes you got to do crazy stuff to get the guy you want. Yeah. Hopefully, we don't go too crazy this time. If he gets fired. <laughs> All right. Back it's to Sean Miller. It kind of sucks that like literally every word we'll say today is like, but he might be retained. Yeah. But it happens so fast. Like we got to get these names out. Got to get them out. Gotta let the people know. Uh, back to Sean Miller. We, we should have gone through all that before we started talking about names, but that's fine. I thought. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, it was perfect. Uh, back to Sean Miller. Is that realistic for Missouri? Yes, I, I think it's somewhat realistic. Um, I think they could pay well enough. They wouldn't have to be buying out his contract yeah. because he's not coaching anywhere right now. And um, it seems crazy to sometimes pair certain schools with certain coaches. Like I feel like Tom Crean and Georgia is a good example where I was like, I didn't know if Missouri was a realistic option for Tom Crean. Yeah. Um, when they were hiring a coach back when they were. Right. And because that was the same year they hired Conzo was when Tom Crean was, was out there. Yeah. And he ends up taking an even probably worse job than Missouri. Yeah. So, you know, it, you'll be surprised sometimes where some of these, you know, successful coaches and where that have been successful other places, you'll be surprised sometimes where they'll end up. Yeah. And if you are Missouri and you're very serious about Sean Miller, you are telling him, you know, we can pay more than you were paying, you getting paid at Arizona. And look at what, honestly, look at the football side and look at the NIL stuff that right. the state of Missouri has embraced and think about what you could do with that here in Columbia. That's part, that's got to be part of the pitch to a guy like Sean Miller is like, you know, you're not going to say like, hey, you, you were cheating before and now it's legal. That's what I would say if I was talking to him. Yeah. But I think there's a case to be made there that it could be a good fit. It might be a little bit uh, a little bit unrealistic and 
got uh, St. Louis right down the right down the road, though. And if you're even mildly successful, you're going to be a hero. Yeah. Now, before you get too excited about Sean Miller, I do want to point out a couple things about his uh, coaching history so far. So, uh, he coached Xavier, and before he was the coach there, Thad Mata was the coach. Uh, Thad Mata went on to coach uh, for a long time at Ohio State, but Thad Mata had Xavier in Kimpom ranked 23rd, 20th, and 21st in his three seasons there. So Sean Miller was taking over a really good program from uh, Thad Mata at that point and uh, just kept it going, but didn't necessarily build a program up. And the same is true for Arizona. Uh, before Sean Miller was at Arizona, let me pull up their history. Uh, they had legendary coach Lute Olson, who had them as like a championship contender every year. Um, they did have like a, I don't know what the situation was there. They had two other coaches in back-to-back seasons while they were trying to figure out what to do after Lute Olson retired. But, uh, Arizona had gone to the NCAA tournament for like a crazy number of years in a row before Sean Miller took over. And so again, he just kept what was already going on. Mm. He just kept it rolling, which there's something to be said for that. And obviously he was very successful. Uh, Lots of NCAA tournament appearances, good recruiting, all that stuff. But he has zero reputation as a program builder or anybody or a guy that's even had to take over a struggling program. So that's one knock on his resume, I would say. That's fair. Um, another guy that has uh, Power 5 coaching experience uh, is Steve Forbes. He's currently at Wake Forest. And his coaching resume is very interesting. And there's a case to be made that he actually would be a really good fit in Columbia and he that is just like geographically he's kind of been all over the place but he definitely has ties to the midwest so he was born in iowa he went to college at southern arkansas he was an assistant at idaho louisiana tech illinois state texas a&m tennessee and wichita state Plenty of Midwestern Basically representation there. all around the state of Missouri. Exactly. Um, and uh, he was a head coach um, in D1 at East Tennessee State and then now Wake Forest. I feel like his name was like a hot name for several coaching cycles in a row. Like I feel like his name was mentioned when Missouri was looking to hire last time yeah. and whenever that was, 2016 or whatever. Right. And so when he was at East Tennessee State. Yeah. Now he's at Wake Forest. Correct. And his uh, what he's been able to do at both of those stops in, at uh, D1 places is pretty impressive. So at East Tennessee, before he showed up, they were coached by a guy named Murray Bartow. And... They were like triple-digit Kimpom team, sometimes in the 300s. His last three seasons there, they were 319, 243, 218. Uh, Forbes takes over. They only have, in his five seasons, 
they only had one year where they finished outside the top 100 in Kempom. That was his first season. Uh, they got as high as 56th in Kempom his final season. Uh, Kempom says they would have been an 11 seed in the NCAA tournament if it had happened. And while he was there, they won 24, 27, 25, 24, and 30 games. And then, of course, he was promptly hired by Wake Forest. And Wake Forest was really bad uh, last three years under Danny Manning. Uh, they won 11 games, 11 games, and 13 games. Steve Forbes' first season, they were ranked 175 in Kimpom, only won six games all year. This year, they're 30th and have won 23 games. They're 23-8. and eight. That's amazing, like how a coaching change can be that big of a change. So he's kind of like the opposite of Sean Miller in that he's gone to places that were terrible and turned them around in a hurry. Really quickly, yeah. yeah. And the best I could find is he's making $2 million a year currently at Wake Forest. Now, he is going to be the – I think he's going to yeah, be the hottest name. Probably. Uh, he's had – How old is he? He – is he's a little bit older than 56 some. years old okay. so not incredibly old um he's got another easy 10 15 years coaching and uh man i'm uh, he's a guy that it would be really successful in columbia in my opinion right but there's gonna be so much competition for yeah. him including wake forest i mean they're gonna scrounge together as much money as they possibly can find to try to extend him this off season yep and get him to stick around and but he doesn't necessarily have he doesn't have ties to wake forest he doesn't have really solid ties to any blue blood program so i don't think there's a school out there that he's like waiting to become the head coach at so if you're missouri i think you got to try really hard um and go after steve forbes i think yeah. he would be yeah you gotta make the higher. call i don't know if i know i don't know if he'd be interested but you absolutely have to ask uh you want to take the next one yes um i only have one more noteworthy name in this section actually you know what that's the last guy i wrote down that's um okay kind of like a somebody who's already been experienced in d1 okay well let me give you a name to get excited about okay and it is andy kennedy uh i'm being a little bit sarcastic because i can anticipate that that would not be seen as an exciting hire by the Mizzou fan base, but let me make the case for Andy Kennedy. Uh, obviously, he coached at Ole Miss from 2007 to 2018. Um, the worst season he had at Ole Miss, they finished the regular season ranked 108th in Kempom, 108. That was the only season they finished outside the top 100. Um, he only went to two NCAA tournaments, but Ole Miss was not investing in their basketball program. That was like, they were probably, I mean, they were probably right there with Mississippi State and Alabama as far as obviously football is what anybody cares about. Um, so they didn't really put a lot of money into the basketball program. They're starting to now. Uh, they, you know, they thought they were definitely upgrading when they hired Kermit Davis. But also, uh, whoever edit, edited the 
Andy Kennedy Wikipedia page is a big fan of him <laughs> because it's probably him. It's possible. <laughs> they have this whole section of his accomplishments at Ole Miss. Um, and it's pretty impressive, honestly. He ranks 18th in SEC history in career wins. Um, he's only he's one of only 23 coaches in the history of the SEC with 100 regular season SEC wins. And he is the only Ole Miss coach to accomplish that. I was going to say, he's got to be one of the better coaches Ole Miss has ever had. He is their career wins leader. Um, he has the fifth most wins in SEC history by a coach in his uh, by a coach at one school. It's kind of one of those things where you know he's been around for a while. I feel like schools and fan bases just get I don't know, just feel complacent or get a little tired or just feel like restless for a change, even when it may not be the best. Um, the best option and I definitely think that was the case for Andy Kennedy like he was doing pretty well but I feel like they were just like kind of bored they just were they just wanted a change and well and there was a lot of uh there's a lot of big name coaches going to SEC schools right and kind of the arms race yeah and they kind of were in a weird situation where they had a guy who had been successful but couldn't get them over the hump mm-hmm. and um I don't know I think obviously we know the kind of recruiting uh situation that Missouri's in having St. Louis and Kansas City right there mm-hmm. and we know that uh, they're more committed to their basketball program than Ole Miss was then and probably now right yeah I mean it's it's impressive what he did at a school like Ole Miss uh, that just has never really prioritized basketball but I almost feel like what he's done in the last couple of seasons may be just as much or even more impressive right so he gets fired uh, at Ole Miss goes to UAB where he was an assistant previously and uh, his first season there, actually, let me tell you, before he gets there, they are, um, you know, not a great team. Uh, four years with the previous head coach, they're like around 200 in Kempom, okay? Uh, Andy Kennedy takes over. Year one, they're 102. They win 22 games. This year, year two, they're 56th in Kempom. They're 23-7. and seven, And... Uh, they are going to be conference USA. Uh, not they're not going to be regular season champs because of North Texas, but uh, they're going to be right there uh, competing for the conference USA tournament championship and trying to get a berth to the NCAA tournament. And um, I don't think he's going to be at UAB next year. No, probably not. I think he'll be moving on someplace better. And that it's not going to be a super sexy hire, you know, taking a a retread guy that was fired from an sec program previously and mizzou fans would be right if they said well he was fired from a program that's objectively worse than mizzou right and even when he was fired you know i don't know with without this uab stint i don't think i would have been interested but to for him to show that he went to uab and has turned a program around and with you know a school with probably not very many resources for recruiting and that kind of stuff. It's really pretty impressive what he's been able to do and how legitimately like a good team they are. Um, you know, I feel like he is absolutely capable of, of turning around a, a struggling program. And he's obviously has recruiting ties to the entire SEC footprint um, from coaching at Ole Miss and at UAB. Uh, he was an assistant there before. Um, and he was also an assistant coach at Cincinnati. So yeah. it's a little bit more Midwest 
ties there. Yeah. Not a flashy hire at all, um, but one that I think would maybe be viewed fairly negatively at the time, but would maybe have a chance to change people's tunes, though, if, if it went pretty well. And he is only making, uh, as far as I could tell, $725,000 a year. Yeah, that would. That's so you're talking upgrade. about a manageable buyout, and uh, yeah, you could double his salary plus some at Mizzou. So now let's talk about some mid-major coaches. Uh, you can start us off with that. Okay. Um, speaking of North Texas, you brought him up uh, mm-hmm. shortly ago. Just shortly a short, ago. Just a short time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about Grant McCaskland, okay. who is at North Texas currently. Uh, he's in his fifth season at North Texas this year. They're 22-4 and four currently, and in Kimpom, they're 44th. So that sounds pretty good for a school like North Texas. Uh, you know, the, the first couple of years there, they were okay. Um, they were decent his fourth season. But, uh, well, actually, in the fourth season, they made the NCAA tournament last year, which would have been last year. Gotcha. And they made it to the round of 32. As oh, a, right. As a 13 seed, they knocked off four-seeded Purdue last mm. year. So, uh, And then they followed that up with, obviously, a great season this year. So he's 45 years old, so definitely kind of a – a younger guy who's been around a little bit, um, but is probably looking to take the next step this year. I would be surprised if he's at North Texas next year. Yeah. I mean, this is the kind of year you dream of in his position. Yeah. You, you know, they're 15 and one. I probably their regular season's over. Oh, uh, they actually have two games left. So they're currently 15 and one in, in conference, conference USA. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did notice about him when I was kind of doing some research is uh, when you look at the uh, tempo that North Texas plays at, uh, they are 358th oh. in tempo. Wow. And that is out of 358. So they are the slowest school. Actually tied with Virginia for slowest. That's unreal. Yeah. Usually Virginia is down there completely by themselves. That's not super – that doesn't excite me a lot. I don't know why. I mean, if you're winning, you're winning. Yeah. But it's not like a super exciting brand of basketball to watch, especially if it takes a few years to turn things around. That could be kind of painful. Yeah, and it's kind of one of those things where if they're if they're winning, then it's like, uh, who cares? But yeah. when a team that plays like that is losing or not making shots, stuff like that, then it can get ugly in a hurry. Uh, he did previously coach at Arkansas State, so – yeah, wasn't he only there for like one season? Correct. Uh, he's He played at Baylor. So, yeah, seems like a very good option. Uh, definitely an up-and-comer, and he will definitely not be at t- North Texas next year. Okay, I got one more for you. Let's hear it. That's kind of a fringe candidate, I feel like. I don't know that he's worth a serious look, but um, I'm going to throw out Casey Alexander. Okay. He is at Belmont currently. Uh, before that, he was at Lipscomb from 2013 to 2019. They, um, when they beat Missouri? Yes. Yes. And he's been at Belmont from 2020 to, to current. So that's three seasons. In the three seasons at Belmont, they've been 26-7, and 24-3, and three, and this year they're 22-5. and five. And they're 78th in Kempom. So he's 49 years old, so still kind of a younger guy. Um He's been great at Belmont, but I feel like that's historically a, a school that's usually pretty good. Um, they're going to be making the jump to the Missouri Valley Conference next year. Um, 
definitely a name. I think he he could he could probably see an upgrade. I don't know if uh, Missouri will be a realistic uh, landing spot or not. Um, would it be not realistic because you think he could go someplace better, or mm. you think he needs one more spot before a place like Missouri should really look hard at him? I don't know. I you know he was kind of, I feel like he was okay at Lipscomb, but I mean I guess he is. He's been around for almost 10 years now, I guess, as a head coach. I, I, I guess it could be realistic that this, he can. Sorry. I was going to say, I yeah, I actually feel like Missouri might be a little better job than he might get, but. His last year at Lipscomb is crazy. Uh, they were like 300th in Kempom while he was there. And his last season, they were 45th. That's a, an incredible improvement. Yeah. And he's got him from triple digits up to 78th in Kempom this year. Uh, much faster tempo also. Yeah. At one point, his uh, when he was at Lipscomb, they were the fifth fastest in the country. That could be That's fun. A, that excites me. Yeah. I did not even have him on my list, so I'm going to have to write him down. As a uh, Missouri State basketball supporter, I would not... I would be happy if he wanted to go somewhere else now that he's going to be in the Missouri Valley Conference next year. Um, okay, I got another name for you. It is Todd Golden of San Francisco. Uh, he's only been there three seasons, but uh, they're 23rd in Kempom this year. And uh, he did take over a pretty good program from Kyle Smith, who is now coaching at Washington State. So it seems like maybe Smith did some of the hard work turning the program around a little bit, but. Uh, He's kept it going and improved on uh, where they were before. And uh, he's another guy that is not, most likely not going to be at his current spot next year. He's paid pretty well, though, right? True. So uh, he might be trying to hang on to him. Yeah, he's being paid over over a million dollars a year. 1.4 is what I found. So not as much of a room to give him a huge raise, but they still could do it. And there's the fact that you'd have to buy him out. This is right. true of all of these guys that currently have jobs. Yeah, not Sean Miller. True. Yeah, Missouri would have to buy out the current contract, but those terms are way more favorable than uh, th when you're just trying to get rid of a guy. Mm -hmm. um, he was an assistant for two years at Auburn, so a little bit of SEC experience there. San Francisco really reminds me of a uh, San Francisco oven. Great <laughs> restaurant, great calzones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Man, I'm hungry. That's what San Francisco <laughs> makes me think of. Um another name i want to throw out there is matt mcmahon uh currently at murray state another school that's going to be in the missouri valley conference next year he is oh one thing about todd golden he's only 36 years old wow uh matt mcmahon 43 years old uh, he's at murray state uh most famous for recruiting uh john morant and putting him in the nba yeah he's pretty good which uh, that was like a complete accident. Like one of the assistants saw him when he was when they were recruiting somebody else, but uh, he ended up at, at Murray State, and uh, they've been they're amazing this year. Yeah, they've been really solid, and uh, he's a guy that I don't think is going to be there this time next year. They're undefeated in the Ohio Valley Conference, eighteen and 25th yeah. in Kempom. I think they only have two losses on the whole year, right? Yeah, twenty-eight and two. Yeah, their regular season is complete. That's crazy. And they have an insane like single season improvement. They started the year one twenty-eighth in Kempom, and now they are twenty-fifth. What's their tempo? I uh, bet it's pretty fast. Uh, not two hundred fiftieth. Really? Yeah. 
Wow. But uh, they've been good for a little while, so it's not that's not super shocking. Uh, they went to back-to-back NCAA tournaments in 2018 and 2019 under McMahon. But uh, I think he's going to capitalize on this uh, incredible season. Yeah, I mean, they're a legit like 5-6 seed in the tournament this year. Yeah, very good. Um, that's another thing to think about, though, is like, when Missouri's going to be making this decision, they might legitimately have to wait on guys to be done in the NCAA tournament yeah. before they can really get serious. That's exactly right. But they'll be talking to agents, obviously, Yeah. in the meantime. Uh, Mac McMahon, another guy that I would consider. And uh, before I name who I think is like the best mid-major candidate, I have a couple that... Uh, well, I, I want to talk about Drew Valentine from uh, Loyola, Chicago. He's only 30 years old. This is his <laughs> first season there. He was uh, like a dynamite uh, assistant and uh, took over for Porter Moser, who went to Oklahoma. And I think he will not be there very long. I think he's going to be like a hot up-and-coming coach in the next few seasons. Mm-hmm. I think Missouri would be jumping the gun, maybe doing a little bit too early on him since he's only been a head coach one year. Right. Yeah, I mean, he's still um, potentially kind of riding the coattails of what P- Porter Mosier did there. Yeah. Uh, Loyola's good this year. They're not as good as they have been in recent years. Uh, but, yeah, it's his first season as a head coach. I agree. I think it would be a little early. Um, your turn for a mid-major candidate. Uh, I'm going to bring up a guy that just has a special place in my heart mm-hmm. uh, for a very specific reason. His name is Darian DeVries, okay. which is my last name. <laughs> Uh, he coaches at Drake, and uh, he which has kind of a strange coaching career. He was an assistant coach at Creighton from 2001 to 2018. So 18 years as an assistant coach in the same place, um, and then got his first head coaching job with Drake, and he has been pretty good there. Um, uh, let's see. Last year was their best season. They were 26-5. and five. They were a nine seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, this year they're 22 and nine, and will probably not be in the NCAA tournament, but they're still they're still pretty good. Uh, one really interesting thing about Drake and Darian DeVries is he has a son, uh, Tucker, who is a top 100 recruit coming out of high school. He is a freshman this year, six seven, small forward, uh, averaging almost 14 points a game as a freshman. So. That would probably be a that would absolutely be a package deal. Yeah. Wherever Darian DeVries is going, his son's coming with him. He's a great player and he's has a pretty high ceiling. And that's something to think about with any of these coaches is with how easy it is for guys to transfer. You got to imagine they're gonna either bring a player and a and or a recruit with them, um, and nothing more obvious than the coach's son, uh, who could have played elsewhere, mm-hmm. but is playing for him at Drake. There's no reason to think he wouldn't uh, come along to Mizzou if that were the case. Um, He's 46 years old, so, again, pretty yeah. young guy. Yeah, uh, that would be – I would categorize that as maybe one of the less flashy hires oh, that Missouri can make. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting that you bring him up because the next guy I want to talk about spent exactly one season at Drake – uh, between stays or stints at Furman and current his current job at Colorado State, and that is Nico Medved, and uh, he is more of that program builder type that I have been kind of looking for. So he took Furman from 342nd in Kimpom, a nine-win team, to 106th, a 
and 23 win team in, in how many seasons in four total seasons uh then just one year at drake before he was hired away to colorado state uh first year they were 180th in kimpom uh they've just almost perfectly steadily stair-stepped their way to this year uh 32nd in kimpom uh 23 and 4 currently the number 22 offense in the country that's colorado state yes yeah so basically everywhere he's been they start off bad and just like perfectly get better every year like there's nothing more attractive than that is like no uh no steps back just perfectly we're getting a little bit better every year and um he's done it at some pretty difficult places to win and what i could find was he's currently making seven hundred seventy five thousand dollars a year so he could that could be in line for a huge tripled uh at mizzou potentially probably more than that and uh but for all of those same reasons he's going to be a hot name yeah for anybody that has a coach opening yeah cam i'm just going to come out and say it this is this is my number one candidate okay um on this coaching search that nico medved is number one and in my books as far as a guy who has been good everywhere he's been like we just said he's he knows how to turn around a struggling program it's almost like a guaranteed um, improvement within two to three seasons uh, he's a young guy where we can like you said he can stand to have his salary improved tremendously uh i i always kind of seem to gravitate towards um the up-and-comers i think that typically those guys are you know higher ceiling potentially they've got usually a little more energy on the recruiting trail sometimes i tend to think guys that have been successful elsewhere have, like don't want to grind as hard because they've just you know they've been there they've they've made it already yeah and sometimes i think you know the up-and-comers are just looking for their shot to to blow up and um i think nico medved is is just attractive in almost every way possible yeah, uh, he's originally from Minnesota. Um, obviously, if you don't know, Furman is in South Carolina. I didn't know that. So he has some experience in the SEC footprint. Um, he was also an assistant at Minnesota and was an assistant at Colorado State before being the head coach at Furman. Um, yeah, he's uh, towards the top of my list, and uh, but I think he's going to be a hot commodity. Um, Missouri's going to have to really get serious with the money uh if they want to bring him in i think lots of competition yep um so i only have one name left on the mid-major list and i kind of want to save him for last so if you have anybody else uh we've talked about everybody i wrote down so there's one guy we haven't talked about and that is kim english and we're gonna have some people mad at us probably or disappointed but i don't think kim english is the move now and it's for the same reason that i don't think uh drew valentine is the move um one year of head coaching experience i think you're just asking for trouble i mean i know it's very different and you can't really compare these two but just surface level comparison it reminds me of barry odom who he hadn't even been a head coach yet um so that's slightly different but he had more I don't know. He's older. Yeah, it just, uh, I don't know, it scares me. It scares me that you would bring him in and it go poorly and it messes up his relationship with the school and 
it creates a messy situation where you've got a guy that you don't want to get rid of right because of his ties yeah i mean i'm, I'm kind of there with you um obviously everybody knows the connection and it's special and i honestly think kim in- kim english is almost said kim anderson mm-hmm. i honestly think kim english is going to be a really good coach um you know i i don't know that he's ready to make the jump to um high division one basketball yet um but you know he's really young and he's really talented he's a great recruiter he's you know he's solid and he's going to be a good coach someday um i like you said i don't think this is the time necessarily though to jump in you know he's 14 and 14 this year at uh george mason they're seven and eight in the atlantic 10 i'm sure they're gonna continue to get better but um yeah i think honestly one of the biggest things though is kind of like what you said i'm just afraid to hire another mizzou alum and you know that went terribly with kim anderson it went not very good with barry odom and you know i just don't know that we want to turn around and do that a third time in a decade you know in between the two sports and it's just so so easy for things to not go well and then yeah you're just stuck with an awkward situation you burn bridges and you know it's just i don't know i i don't think i'm ready to pull the trigger on that yet yeah and uh i'm looking at his kimpom profile right now his their rating this year is better than any of the past six six seasons under their previous head coach at George Mason, but not, not dramatically different. Um, there's a lot of 500 ish seasons under him. Um, however, he was considered the lead recruiter for Kennedy Chandler, uh, getting him to go to Tennessee, which is a huge deal. Um, so he's got that, obviously he can recruit and I could totally see this 500 season, uh, just being, a really nice building block for him at George Mason and he's going to win 20 games next year and probably not look back. And so George Mason is, is not, you know, bottom of the barrel division one by any means. So it's unfortunate. I wish the timing was a little bit different. I wish this was happening when he had been there for three or four seasons and had shown that he could sustain it and build a program. Uh, then I would, obviously, this would be a no-brainer, I think. Right. Um, Some people think it's a no-brainer anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fine. And maybe he gets hired this year by a bigger school and ends up working out. That's that's absolutely possible. In fact, you know, I think that he could be a name that gets thrown around for the Maryland job Mm -hmm. because he's from Baltimore, um, obviously has a lot of ties to that area. That would be a pretty big jump, but not impossible. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the jump from George Mason to Mizzou would not be a crazy thing either. That wouldn't send shockwaves through right. uh, the college basketball world. The only thing that would be weird about it is him only being a head coach for one season. Right. Yeah. I mean, is it weird that I'm almost turned off by the, by the, um, because he has ties to Mizzou. I think, uh, am I overthinking that? Like 10 years ago, you <laughs> would uh, potentially, it wouldn't, you'd be like, yeah, that's the best case scenario. Right. But we've seen it go wrong. Yeah. Too very recently. T- right. Too. Yeah. In, a, in dramatic recently. fashion yes. as well. And we're, and we're seeing ourselves be better off on the football side of things with, you know, it's completely new blood. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, next season, would you rather have Kim English or Conzo Martin? Kim English. Did you know I was going to ask that? No, but I was able to, I, that wasn't you, even close. Honestly. Really, okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm there with you. I don't think we've, I mean, none, I would take every name that I've mentioned 
that sure. either one of us had said for sure this entire episode over Conta Martin. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I mean these are all these are the these are up and comers in college basketball. Of course, we would take all these guys over Conta Martin. A uh, name we haven't mentioned, but I just want to say it real quick is T.J. Otzelberger. Uh, Iowa State turned them around incredibly. He was hired by uh, Desiree Reed Francois at UNLV. Yeah, wasn't even that good there though, and then was hired by just like a disaster of a team in Iowa State. And now they're going to be NCAA tournament team. Yeah, that's a weird one. But yeah. he's not being paid very much, right? Correct. A uh, million dollars a year. Yeah. That's really low for yeah. a Power 5 yeah. conference team. He's only 44 years old. Yeah. Ties to the AD. I'd so take him. Yeah. Would you rather have... Uh, eh, this is going to sound kind of stupid because we already said uh, everybody we talked about, but would, you would take Chris Mack over Conzo? Yes. I probably would too. I'm kind of out on Chris Mack, but I would probably still take him over Hunter Mark. Yeah, Chris Mack's situation is weird. It's yeah. like li- like I said, you you could do a 30 for 30 on it and hear some weird stuff. Yeah. So maybe you don't want to watch. Maybe you don't want to be a part of that. But I yeah. Um there's something else I was going to say. Oh, I wanted to mention real quick uh a a program that took a chance on a coach who had NCAA issues in his past and that is Houston mm. with Kelvin Sampson. Oh my. So he has been there since 2015. Uh, he got in trouble really by today's standards for very little. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but the stuff that went on in Indiana, it was like too many phone calls. Okay. Nothing too crazy. And uh, they won uh, 25 games his last year in Indiana. It's trying too hard. I guess. And at Houston, uh, his first year, they were 214th in, in Kempom, and right now they are sixth. Yeah. And they, last year, they were fifth. Yeah. They, they went, went to the final, final four. four. Yeah. So. Yeah. That, that experiment worked out very well for imagine, Houston. Imagine, like, uh, when Houston hired Kelvin Sampson, uh, his first year at Houston was also Kim Anderson's first year at Mizzou. Oh. So that's just a little like alternate history thing. I don't, I, I wasn't paying as much of attention to the coaching search back then, but I mean, there's probably somebody that was like, Hey, we should give Kelvin Sampson a look. And there's probably lots of people who were just like, no, he's bad guy. Yeah. Maybe he's a bad guy. He might be, but I don't think he is. He was making too many phone calls. Coach. Yeah. So that's just a little bit of my argument for, and also, uh, that's not even mentioning like, Bill Self and Will Wade are coaching basketball Bruce Pearl. with with no even without even an inkling by anybody that they're not going to be coaching not anytime losing, soon. Not losing any sleep at night at yeah. all. So if that's the case, then please, the University of Missouri do not be do not be worried about. Yeah, I think we've learned that lesson at this yeah. point. You got a top five. So it was really hard for me to come up with a top five and, and kind of differentiate between these guys because they, they have different, uh, they're coming from different places in their coaching career. Um, I have at number five, Grant McCasland from North Texas. At number five, I have Grant McCasland from North Texas. Wow. Incredible. Wow. Uh, number four, I have... 
Steve Forbes from Wake Forest. It's uh, I, I dropped him down because I think it's a long shot. Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, at number four, I have Andy Kennedy. Okay. Uh, number three, I have Nico Medved. I dropped him down a little bit because I thought it was a long shot. And so maybe I shouldn't have done that. I should have said, if you can get whoever you want, this would be my list. But uh, I went a little bit more realistic with my top two. Okay. Uh, my number three is... Yeah, I already said my top. Okay. My number three is uh, Sean Miller. Okay. And really the only reason I dropped him... Well, I mean, I don't know. I would say my top three could be unrealistic. but Okay. Uh, number two... Because of the realism factor, I have Andy Kennedy. Okay. I think he would say yes. I think Missouri could get him. I think he would do a good job. And I think with Andy Kennedy, now here I am settling for mediocrity, but I think worst case scenario for Andy Kennedy, he stabilizes the program and we're back to winning 20 games a year. Yeah. And I would love to be in a situation where we're thinking, should we get rid of Andy Kennedy because is there a better coach out there? Right. Um, but maybe you're looking at a situation where he stabilizes things and then someone like Kim English is ready to come aboard. Is this potentially though the best case scenario to take a, to try and hit a home run on a riskier hire whenever the program is struggling a little bit and anybody that wins 18 to 20 games is going to look better than what we currently have? Yeah, this is probably the year to swing for the fences. And not take an Andy Kennedy? Yeah, that that's totally a reasonable argument for that, 100%. Okay, my number two is Steve Forbes. Okay. And I kind of went with the, like, if you could have anybody mm-hmm. angle. Sure. I don't think Missouri is landing Steve Forbes, probably, or Sean Miller. But Steve Forbes is my number two. What about Steve Forbes, the billionaire of Forbes? I wouldn't take him now. Okay. No experience at all. Um, if could you prob- want, if could he wants buy- to become a booster, though. No, now that I'd be on board for. Okay. Absolutely. We could have Steve Forbes, the coach, and Steve Forbes, the booster. There we go. Working together. Synergis- synergistically. Synergies. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, number one, I got Sean Miller. Nice. So I said I was trying to be realistic, and I think I made the case earlier that there's a realistic uh, yeah. possibility for I him. I don't know where Missouri stands on some of these guys. I, mean, I just have no idea. Like, some, I've, you, know, can, you can probably make the argument everybody on our list is somewhat realistic. All of these guys are going to take the call. Um, all of these guys are looking to move up. And like we've said, there isn't anybody on this list that just terrifies you right. as far as, like, you're never going to have a shot to, to outbid somebody. Maybe maybe Louisville. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of this, honestly, is going to depend on who, what can you pay? who Louisville picks, and I think. Yeah. But, yeah, like, I don't know. Missouri, when they hired Conzo, he was being paid like a, one of the top coaches in the country. Right. Um, who do you got for number one? Nico Medved. Okay. Yeah, you told me that earlier. Yeah. I mean, I think this just shows that there's a handful of guys – that I would consider basically home run hires. Mm -hmm. I mean, Sean Miller, Nico Medved, and Steve Forbes, I think, would be incredible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would Uh, be surprised. Yes. Pleasantly surprised. Absolutely. With any of those three names. Uh, Andy Kennedy is, like, a guy that I think would be super solid, and it's super doable, basically. Um, And then 
the rest of the kind of mid-major up-and-comer guys, it's like they're going to go someplace better than they are now. Mm-hmm. And we've seen guys like Nate Oates and Eric Musselman um, come to the SEC and not only win games but recruit at a high level. Yeah. And um, as as often as we've seen, you know, more tenured coaches like Bruce Pearl and uh, Rick Barnes do the same thing. Yeah. Um, what we what we don't want to end up with is another Conzo Martin situation, or obviously worse than that. But I think as long as you are uh, hiring an up and comer who has been dominating at their current level, or taking a swing at one of these big name guys that have been around the block, I think it'll be fine. So, and I'm fully prepared for commenters to say that hiring Andy Kennedy would be Conzo Martin 2.0. And to that, I would say I disagree. Just literally look at season by season, look at their coaching resume. Yeah, I agree. I think that's an upgrade. Um, yeah, honestly, everybody we named, I would probably be fine with today. And there's like obviously some that I like more than others, but I am ready for a change. And I think pretty much everybody we listed has, has experience and has been successful. Whether he's a long-term success or not, Kim, if they announced Kim English as the next head coach of Missouri basketball, people would be incredibly excited. Okay, I'll even say I don't think that would be the right hire, but I'd still be excited. Oh, absolutely. I'd be, I'd still be excited. <laughs> like, Excited and hopeful. Yes. Right. And just, yeah. I mean, hoping. That, I mean, that's absolutely one of those could be a home run hire. Yeah. Man, I would just be like nervous for the whole operation like (laughs) if they're going that route i would be that would be interesting kind of nervous just like please let this work yeah that would be like kim anderson like wanting kim anderson to work plus wanting barry odom to work times a hundred yeah i just don't think kim english is ever going to have the recruiting struggles that kim anderson had like they're just totally different like relationally and like you know Kim, Kim English already has more, way more Division One experience than Kim English, or gosh, Kim <laughs> Anderson ever had because, you know, Anderson's coming from an entire career in Division Two, and he just didn't have the relationships, and that's what recruiting is. Yeah. So that's one thing that English will always have up on Anderson in that conversation. But So what's best-case scenario? They've, they've, uh, Missouri and Conzo part ways. And we end up with one of these five guys off of our list. Yeah. Maybe I'm probably elevating Andy Kennedy, but I'd still take him. Yeah. I don't know. So is that all the names? I think so. I'm sure there's more out there. Oh, there's there's there's, <laughs> there's a, a dozen other mid-major coaches that have been really successful that um, we're kind of – I kind of targeted ones that are peaking this year or last year because I see them as most likely to make the jump. There's some that have been successful, but right. may not quite be ready. Okay, so if Missouri's looking for a new coach this year, what percentage do you put it at that we just talked about their next coach? <laughs> Honestly, this is, like, embarrassing, but there's probably a 25% chance that really? we just talked about it. I would have said 50. I, I hope. There's a lot of names out there, though. Yeah. And... The way I'm just remembering back to the football coaching search and literally yeah. like we're like, oh, there's a there's a guy named Eliah Drinkwitz at Appalachian State. Been there one year. Pretty good. That was like all we said about Basically, him. Basically, yeah. <laughs> but we, we did mention him. Lucky we, to even mention his name. We did, though. 
We did talk about Blake Anderson quite a bit, yes, and he did. was a guy that they tried to hire. Yeah, we had so that covered. We'll probably have talked about somebody that they try to hire. Oh, for sure. And well, then uh, if they don't, then that's a massive failure. Yeah. <laughs> if they don't, I have no hope. Yeah. But yeah, obviously, there's names out there that we uh, that we have no idea if Missouri's considering them. We don't know if Missouri's considering any of these guys, and we don't know what schools are ultimately going to be looking for coaches in two weeks. And most importantly, we do not know if Missouri and Conzo Martin will be mutually parting ways or not. So stay tuned for that. Wishful thinking, man. (laughs) I have seen a couple of schools already, though, uh, decide to mutually part ways with their coach, though. I think I've seen two or three current Division I teams that have already kind of fired their current coach. So realistically, that could happen any day if Missouri were to. The dominoes are going to start falling. Yeah. So, uh, Coach, we apologize. We had to get ahead of the situation. We're sorry. We wish you the best. We wish you the best and hope it's somebody else. Because you're definitely listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That all for this week? That's it. Thanks, Coach, for listening. And special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Lee, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Lewis Hernandez, Tim Keens, and Tyler Harshall. Thank you, gents. You can find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We are on Twitter at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. You can find our t-shirts and stickers on our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week.